Welcome to Headroom from the Big Apple. Yours truly has dropped in to bear witness to the largest collection of CEOs from around the world. YPO began in 1950 and to date has 30,000 global members representing 142 countries. The combined workforce of member-run companies exceeds 22 million employees with over $9 trillion in revenues. Join me inside the C-suite. This is Headroom. All right, we're sitting down with Harry Sanders. He's the founder and CEO of Search Engine Optimization Company. By the way, that's a mouthful to say after traveling <laughs> today myself here. Studio Hawk in Melbourne, Australia. He built the business at age 17 by first picking up freelance work and now he earns 3 million revenues from more than 300 clients, including fitness apparel brand, New Balance and Germany's Bauer Media Group. Studio Hawk received the Australian Business Award for Marketing Innovation in 2019 and Semrush's Agency of the Year Award in the same year. You've been busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to keep myself busy. Okay, so let's talk about this. So we're here at YPO Edge, mm. right? So this massive collection of CEOs and leaders. Yeah. What draws you in? Because you are earlier on in your career, well, right? Do you just yeah. want to spend time with a bunch of sort of gray hairs? Like, what? Yeah. Tell me, tell me about the motivation to be here for you, given where you are in your career. Yeah, honestly, like that's a big part of it. Like, we're doing what, uh, like, ten mil rev now, and uh, it, it, a lot of that. I sure is, changed you there. No, that's all good. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, like you said, I've been busy. You've been um, busy, and a lot of that is surrounding myself with. Um, you know, people that have done it before, people that have got these, you know, public businesses, people that are doing, you know, a, a large amount of, of revenue and learning from those people, almost like a collective. Let's talk about, you know, I think an element of being a leader is is hopefully understanding blind spots mm. or at least being open to Close. sort of the, their, uh, their entry into our lives as yeah. leaders, right? So that they're within our periphery. How do you maintain sort of a conscious awareness around those elements that maybe you haven't been able to think about just in your own development? Because I think a powerful thing about YPO Edge is, sure, you get to learn and, and sort of collaborate and, and build community here. Um, but it's also to learn about sort of what people have done that maybe they would have pivoted from that you could learn from and also apply to the way in which you approach business. Absolutely. I, I hear so many tales. And being a young guy, you hear a lot of tales about people making mistakes, you know, leading by ego, making emotional decisions, maybe not making the right business decision at the right time because they wanted, you know, a fancy Lamborghini or something like that. And so learning those lessons and hearing people talk about what their outlook on things like the economy is, on things like, you know, labor shortages and how they're overcoming that, there is an infinite amount of things you can take from that into your business and, and do what I guess entrepreneurs are very good at, which is stealing, <laughs> stealing <laughs> ideas and then repurposing them. <laughs> I like the honesty. Uh, so, so take me back. When did you have, was there a moment for you when you, when you just knew that not only did you in essence want to have your own business, but that you basically had, you had this sort of internal structures in place to be able to handle that. Cause we see so many tales where someone might have a really great idea, but the minute that they get into it, they realize that a majority of what they're doing is not actually a part of the dream that they had originally constructed. Mm. Those that seem to really make it understand that it can hold both truths and enjoy. Yeah, so I find having a business helps when you're passionate about it. Like if you ever start a business, of course we're all here to make money, but if you start a business with the whole intention is like I want to make money, I want to be a multimillionaire, those businesses rarely succeed. And the reason is you're drawn to the, the wrong thing. Um, 
founding a business and making a business succeed comes from a deep yearning passion to want to do it. So when I started, I had none of the, you know, material, the revenue. I was I was actually homeless when I started my business. So you were homeless. I was homeless. Yeah. Talk about burying the lead. Yeah. So um, there was a lot of stuff that I had to learn in order to overcome. Um, those things and succeed and uh, inevitably that came down to the willingness to grow. Um, if you think and you like you mentioned those blind spots, if you sit there in life or in business thinking you know everything, you are bound to fail. So um, what's the impact of starting something when you're homeless? Does it impact your ability to celebrate the wins and the jumps in revenue like we just <laughs> sort of experienced here yeah. in real time because you have that as a baseline or do you find that you want to celebrate more because of? I think it's a mix. I mean, the first few years after founding the business, I was constantly scared, like fearful that I would end up back on the streets. So what know? does that look like for you? Like, is there a, I mean, when I talk to entrepreneurs yeah. about when they feel scared, they've got that anxiety, they almost experience it in different parts of their body, mm -hmm. like it could be their head or it's literally just this paralyzing kind of feeling. Like, so what is that like for you? For me, it's, it, it very much sits in my head. Like it sits in my head like if I make a mistake here, I'm gonna end up back on the streets. If I'm not constantly learning, growing, pushing the boundaries, then I'll end up back there. And so it's, uh, for the first few years, it was very much a running from a situation, running, running from, from that idea yeah. of being homeless. And now, you know, now thanks to YPO and all these organizations, I, I'm not scared of being homeless anymore, but at the same time, I wanna grow and continue those learnings because now it's just fun. It's engaging. Is it a part of your story now? I mean, given your work in marketing, mm. is the story of you being homeless now something that you can embrace? Yeah. So previously, I used to not talk about it because I, I thought it was quite a private thing. Um, but over the last uh, couple of years, I, I do a lot of work as an ambassador for a not-for-profit, which is a homeless youth organization. And so I talk a lot more about it now because uh, I used to think it was uh, an identity. Like people would be like, oh yeah, that was the guy that used to be homeless. Whereas now I realize it's like anything. It's just something that happened to you, right? It doesn't make who you are. It's just something that's happened to you. And so I think every time I talk about it, there's people that have gone through something similar or often cases worse and it gives them confidence to talk about it too. Now, I don't know the, obviously the, the circumstances by which you became homeless, but is there a silver lining in your ability to understand and deal with anxiety and building a business at a level that maybe <laughs> the average uh, entrepreneur maybe just doesn't have as part of their background, the fabric of who they are, mm. that in essence you can hold maybe more now that might shave some years off at the end of your life, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think it's certainly going to shave some years off. But um, I think from the perspective it allows me to, I guess it matured me a lot, a lot faster. You know, being 17, being homeless, those kind of things shape uh, your capacity um, because you'll always look back on the, that time and go, wow, okay, I was capable of doing that. I'm capable of doing this now. Um, and I think that makes a massive, massive difference. I think it also helps a lot with ego and those kind of things because uh, I didn't come from a background of privilege. So I, I think I can be more grateful and appreciative for what I have now. You know, I'm not going to complain if I have to fly economy somewhere other than, you know, I can't sit in first class. You know what I mean? Like, or if I ever do, and, and of course we all have those moments, you kind of pinch yourself and be like, dude, are you seriously bitching about flying economy to LA when you used to be on the streets? Like, uh, so that, um, I think makes it very interesting and gives you a perspective on where you were and how far you've come. 
So a lot of times I think when people are building businesses, especially in this, with this generation of young entrepreneurs, it, a side benefit is that you're actually sort of building a family. Mm. And does that take on a different notion for you, given the or, your yeah. origins? Yeah, definitely. I, I, you know, I have a forum in YPO, so a group of people that I meet up with every month, and they've become a big part of my life. You know, they're all you know, senior in age and experience to me. Um, but they're all there to help guide each other and to help guide me. Um, and so that, that plays a big part of that deeper, meaningful connection. Um, and having, I guess, access to those other entrepreneurs, you know, you do feel like you are family with these people. You have their backs like they have yours. And, uh, I think, you know, family is not something that has to be blood. Sometimes family is something that you can earn. And I, I feel like, yeah, I've definitely been able to earn that. Headroom is produced by Old Soul, a one-stop marketing agency that understands the power of brand and nuance. Reach out to my guy Matt at Old Soul and supercharge your brand and content strategy. That's Old Soul. Shoot Matt a note at aoldsoul.com. That's A-O-L-D-S-O-U-L.com. And now, back to our guest. Let's, let's pivot a little bit to your expertise when it comes to marketing and understanding the digital landscape that so many wish and hope, <laughs> I think, maybe that they, they, can, they can understand and, and maybe uh, navigate more successfully. What changes are you seeing in the leadership discussions you're having with your peers about the way in which they think their stories, in essence, should be told? Because I'm having these back-channel conversations where corporations are saying, you know, the press release doesn't count anymore. Yeah. There's so much, it, we have such an abundance of information that sort of the old school way of crushing your fingers and hoping a reporter picks up a story and then it goes viral, like you can't hedge your bet, you can't bet on that. You have to hedge your bets in other, mm. in other ways. How are you looking at it from how people are looking to optimize their digital real estate and what stories are they bringing along or what types of stories to help do that? Totally, I mean, I mean there's so much on that piece. Like, uh, money is becoming harder to obtain. There's the less VC money being thrown around in, in the recent you know, year and will continue. So people are starting to pivot to more smarter strategies. And a big part of that, I think the digital landscape has, has been always a booming sector. And now it's starting to go through this self-actualization of like, okay, what are we? And so traditionally we're seeing these big digital agencies doing everything uh, akin to like a handyman. Um, and now I think we're seeing this uh, growth of specialized agencies. Like we're a very specialized agency. We don't do paid or anything like that. And I think that gets a lot more cut through because when you have a plumbing problem, you're going to call a plumber rather than a handyman. And so that's very unique. And coming down to that press release stuff, I mean, yeah, it's, it's embarrassing how many companies still think that, um, you know, a reporter's going to pick up their story of, oh, hey, we've launched a new website. I mean, right, how many times have you covered a brand launching a new website? Who cares? So you've got to be more unique. You know, all these organizations have access to so much data and learnings from that. I mean, how much more interested would you be in a data-led story about something than, you know, we're launching a new website? So I think people need to pivot to that new reality of what marketing is, which is content and brand. Are we seeing, uh, there's a big push to have, you know, prop, profits through purpose, mm. right? Are, are we seeing that sort of being pulled into that equation that in essence, we want our customers, we want our market 
to our sector to understand that, you know, and ESG is helping with that, right? Yeah. So there are some, some compliance components that no matter how old we are, if we know we have to do it, it does mm. sometimes change behavior. <laughs> yeah. uh, but are we starting to see, are you seeing that those conversations are becoming a little bit more well-rounded when they're coming and they're saying, look, Harry, help us understand how we can optimize what we're doing here? Because we do want people to understand that we do yeah. care. It is purposeful. Yeah, I think a lot of organizations that think about that and something uh, that we talk about a lot at YPO is like, how do you get people involved with your vision and mission? Like, it's not good enough to say, hey, come work for me now, I'll pay you a lot of money. It's very much, well, why am I going to spend five years working this organization? I want a vision. And for customers too, it's like, you know, why am I going to pick you over another brand? Are you more sustainable? Are you better for your staff? Like, and these are all things that, you know, consumers are driving and also staff are driving in that conversation. So brands are constantly talking about it. It's definitely a topic that we're talking about a lot, especially at Edge. How do you handle success or how has your relationship to success changed over time? It is fascinating when people either, it could take them 20 years to achieve whatever that sort of benchmark is. But for those that are very, very adept at, at pivoting and understanding how to grow their business and they're very successful. It is fascinating to see sort of how they celebrate, how they understand their role and what they're doing, and how do they keep themselves satiated in, in the excitement of everything. Because you're solving a bit of a puzzle, aren't you, to build a business? Oh, absolutely. Right, and once you've solved it, you can start to see entrepreneurs, they, they, their gaze wanders, yeah. right? Because what's the next puzzle? Yeah. What's the next jigsaw that I got to solve? Yeah. So how have you understood that given the, the rapid growth of your company? Yeah, I love that analogy, the moving jigsaw. Um, <laughs> that, that's a great one because you're right. Like, uh, I mean, there's nothing more boring than solving a, a puzzle, right? Like you, don't, like you can take out some pieces and redo it, but you've done it. Uh, what I think is exciting about business is it is a moving jigsaw. It's kind of like to, to go on with that analogy. It's like you've put your thousandth piece in and then you realize, oh, there's another 2,000 pieces in the box. I'm just on the middle part. I can expand all this stuff out on the side. And so I think um, that's what's exciting to me. We've done Australia. We've done the UK and they're growing markets. I wouldn't say the jigsaw's solved, but, you know, we're, we're looking for those last pieces. Whereas the US, I mean, we've just, we just opened the box and, my God, Rod, I just realized there's another 2,000, 3,000 pieces in here. So that, <laughs> is that exciting? That is so exciting. I mean, that gets me up in the morning. Um, and ultimately for me, success is like it's evolved long, maybe I like evolved way past money at this point. Like I'm, you know, I'm incredibly privileged. I have more money than I would ever really need. For me, it's like you get to this point, it's like, what do you want people to say at your funeral? Like, what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? And for me, I want people to be like, Harry gave me an opportunity. Uh, like people gave me an opportunity, like my mentor helped mentor me into my business, you know, got me off the streets, all those kind of things. I want to play that opportunity forward for other people. Um, and that's a part of solving that big puzzle. Have you been described as an old soul? Definitely. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which I don't know if that's a great thing for a 25 year old or a horrific thing. <laughs> I think it's my goodness. I think you've got such a, uh, you're, you're, you're lapping the field in ways that I think people can learn from. And there's a, a humility that I think is incredibly engaging and that people can learn from, right? I mean, we now have schools around the U.S., younger and younger, that are now helping to support entrepreneurs. Yeah. Like yeah. as, you know, middle schoolers. I mean, so I think that, you know, a middle school kid listening to a 25-year-old, I mean, you know, that's like, they're in awe. That's really <laughs> an important message. Uh, last question, Harry. Um, I always think it's interesting, and, and maybe this is one of those final skill sets that an entrepreneur, entrepreneur has to 
sort of harness um, is the power to say no. Mm. I, is no something that you hold close to the vest? I mean, how have you understood sort of the pattern, the, rep, the, the rhythm of no to match what you're trying to do, but not sort of get ahead of your, get over your skis? Yeah, so the power of no is fascinating because it evolves over time. Like when you start out, like your answer should be yes. Like yes to everything. Like yes, 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 yes. And then as you start seeing some success, as you start seeing more importantly than success, what you like, that's when the no becomes important because you start coming clear with yourself about what you want to do and what you want to be. And I describe that vision to you, giving people opportunity. And so if I get presented with opportunities that I don't think you know aligns with that, like I've been invited to go on TV shows, like dating TV shows, that is not aligned whatsoever with that idea. So the power of saying no to that is important. And there's so many things you know, daily I say no to. I know SEO is that focus for me. So I look at other things like paid media and I go, well, that's certainly a no. That's not what I want to do. It doesn't bring me closer to that purpose or vision. So yeah, I think no is critical as you start figuring out what it is you want to be known for. Well, what a, what a treat to spend some time with you here at the Javits Center in New York, uh, learning from, from a, a young but very seasoned and successful entrepreneur that has the humility to share the journey. And I think it's really powerful that you're harnessing that narrative because there's so many people I think like you that uh, are looking for those beacons of light and wanting to be able to sort of lasso it and, and see what their next is. Continued success. Thanks, Harry. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for taking the plunge into Headroom where we uncover the why behind the what and who impacting our lives. Headroom is a production of Rainlight and co-produced by our friends at Old Soul. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger, and this is Headroom.